What's good, everybody? It's your man, the myth, the legend, the voice, bringing you this week's timeout. This is where we take a step back and assess the game of life, looking to God for strategies to bring us true success. This week's thought, best and the rest. Kobe and Shaq were arguably the best one-two punch in NBA history. You had the, 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 the fire, the drive, the, the hardest working man in the NBA in Kobe will black out uh, uh, practice. And then you had arguably the most dominant player ever to step on the hardwood in Shaq. I mean, this one two punch did damage. I mean, they three peated from 2000 to 2002. Now the Spurs snuck in there and, and got him in 2003. But in 2004, here come the Lakers again. And this time, they've added some veteran leadership to their team. In Gary Payton Sr., the glove, this man was a defensive nightmare and one of the best trash talkers ever to play the game. Then also, they added the mailman, Carl Malone, who was a part of arguably the best one-two punch in the game with him and Stockton. Carmelone was a beast, a monster, the prototype for a power forward, and to this day has the third most points ever scored in the league. Who did they face? The Pistons. This is the first time that the Pistons were in the finals since the early 90s. And when I say the early 90s, I mean 1990 when they went back to back and uh one of the people that they beat in doing so was the lakers however this time they didn't have joe dumars oh well i mean they did have him in the front office but not on the floor you know they didn't have isaiah and all the the great pistons of the past they really didn't have any superstars at all and they were facing off against four hall of famers and guess what they won how they do it they did it by playing team ball they won the ring and in doing so they dismantled the lakers dynasty makes me think of the dynasty of egypt that was dismantled by the lowly israelites who were slaves in egypt for over 400 years they were made free of their slavery, not by their military might, but by God. Then, as the Lord led them out to worship him, he told them to turn and to camp by the Red Sea. Now, Pharaoh thought, oh, they're confused. They, they probably want to come back and they just don't want to say they want to come back. And we need to go get them. They have done all this damage to us by serving this God who's taking us through. Let's go get them. I mean, they're slaves. They're our slaves. They still have a slave's mentality. They're not warriors like we are. So Pharaoh took the best of his chariots and the rest of his chariots. And these weren't just chariots to move you from one spot uh, to the other, make things you know a bit faster and easier. No, these were war chariots. And chariots were only maintained by the most wealthy of nations. 
Chariots are the precursors to tanks because they're mobile firing platforms. So with those chariots, they could decimate anyone who stood against them, including the Israelites, and beat them back into submission and bring them back into Egypt. See, he thought he could do this because of his hard heart. And his heart was definitely hardened by the things that he went through. I mean, financially, their land was decimated. When Israel left, they spoiled the land. They took the best of the things with them. So they didn't have that uh, that financial peace that was taken. And also, just the fact that they no longer had free labor. We're not even 200 years removed from slavery's abolition here in the U.S., but we still see how, as a nation, uh, we have benefited from free labor. But not only that, there was a fitness aspect of things, a health aspect that Israel and their leaving inflicted on Egypt. They inflicted upon their, their health and their fitness uh, through the plagues. You know, they, they couldn't drink water. Uh, their crops were devastated by the plagues. They had boils and sores. Their mental health was uh, was decimated by living in darkness so thick that you could feel. And then, of course, their families were impacted. The firstborn child of every Egyptian household died because they weren't covered under the blood. Not only their child, but the animals as well. So Pharaoh's like, oh, yeah, we're going to get them back and not just get them back to Egypt, but get them back for everything that they put them through. This mighty army was coming after Israel and they're trapped by the Red Sea. This was set up to show how mighty God is. It was to prove to Egypt that the Lord was God. Not Pharaoh, he thought he was God, but he wasn't. Nor the gods that they served, where each of the plagues showed that those gods were not God, but that God was. So he used this to further prove the point. Have you ever thought that the things that you may be going through in your life, the pain and, and the struggling that you are experiencing, that it may be, just may be for the glory of God? Makes me think of Job, who did no wrong, but God used him to prove that we can be faithful in our afflictions. Now, Job fell a little short cursing the day that he was born, but this was a precursor for Jesus who suffered without a hint of shortcomings. Likewise, he set the perfect example for us of how to live and how to go through different trials and things. If you serve God, there's nothing that you endure that is for nothing. He works all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So here's the play. Regardless of how formidable your opposition is, God is greater than that. If he has to do the miraculous to fulfill his word, he will. So trust what he says. It's your man, the myth, the legend, the voice with this week's timeout. All right, time to get back in the game of life. Until next week, ready, break.